And good afternoon, Friday afternoon, KPFK, Los Angeles, on your very own radio. Hi, hello, and howdy. Michael Benner, your host for Intervision now till 2 o'clock this afternoon. And then we have a special program. I'm going to actually be, be uh, with you till 3 o'clock today. We're going to do two programs back-to-back in addition to our regular InterVision program from now until 2 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to do a special on AIDS Awareness Day from 2 to 3. So, and we'll have some guests and uh, probably take some calls on that show too. So, today is uh, AIDS Awareness Day. It's a global event. There have been vigils and marches and rallies and teach-ins all over the world today. And uh, so we wanted to do something here at KPFK. So stay tuned for that. Special one hour on AIDS Awareness Day coming up at 2 o'clock this afternoon. For those of you who uh, may not be familiar with InterVision, this is a program heard in different formats Monday through Friday from 1 till 2 in the afternoon. InterVision, it's called, on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday. Lisa Gar calls it the Aware Show her particular brand on uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays, but it's always a program about spirituality and health. I like to describe it as a show about mysticism and magic and metaphysics, a program about consciousness, about who we really are and maybe what we're really for, to go a little bit deeper and not just look at your thoughts and feelings and your speech and your behavior, but at the deeper motives and identities behind all of that. That's what InterVision is about. I hope you had a good holiday. I've been off for a couple of weeks. I had a medical procedure a couple of weeks ago that prevented me from being here. And then, of course, last week was Thanksgiving, so we played some best-of programs, programs that were real popular, and so we played them again. The Ray Dodd interview we did two weeks ago, and then last week, uh, hope you had a chance to hear uh, Perry Garfinkel and his program. Uh, well, um, as I remember, the name of his book was called Buddha or Bust, and he talked about famous Buddhist sites around the world, Ray Dodd on belief systems. He's the author of a book called Belief Works. So I hope you enjoyed those programs. We're back live in studio today. We have a real special radio program for you. You know, I don't normally do telephone interviews, but I'm making an exception today because our guest is really an exceptional individual. He is the author of three different books, though he's still a young man, and uh, maybe you've seen him. I understand recently he was on Inside Edition and... I first became aware of uh, this young man a couple of months ago when I received from his publisher his latest book, and then uh, just a matter of days later saw a real nice feature on the ABC TV news magazine show 2020. Our topic today is spiritual healing, and my guest from British Columbia is Adam Dream Healer. Adam, good afternoon. Welcome to InterVision in Los Angeles on KPFK. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I understand the weather is just horrible up in uh, B.C. this week. <laughs> yeah, it is. And normally it's very nice, but uh, 
uh, this week has uh, not been that great. Yeah, well, stay warm. I understand also, Adam, that you're coming to Los Angeles and doing an event next, well, I was going to say next month, but here it is December already, later this month, right? Yeah, I'm doing a conference in L.A. on December 10th. And it's going to be downtown at the Marriott, I think. Yeah, the downtown Marriott in L.A. We'll mention that again later in the hour. I, uh, you've got three books published already, and yet, how old are you now? I'm 20. You're 20 years old. So you must have just had a birthday, because... Yeah, I just turned 20 not long ago. And, and, uh, I just had a birthday too, but we won't go there. <laughs> I saw you first. I, I, you probably heard me say just a few minutes ago, I got your most recent book from your publisher. And uh, then we saw you on the 2020 show, and I was really impressed. With all the people, Adam, that hold themselves out to be spiritual healers, how do you account for your notoriety? Well, I, I find that uh, really what I've uh, been doing is I, I've, been, I've been trying my best to stay normal, stay well-grounded. And I've basically I, I've just been... Uh, um, I've been trying my best to keep my anonymity as well, uh, like because I, I am only 20, and uh, I'm trying my best to maintain normal social life uh, for a 20-year-old. So it's uh, something that uh, you know, it, it's been difficult uh, trying to maintain uh, living a normal life. But because with all these abilities, you know, there's a lot of things uh, happening. I'm picking up a lot of information uh, all the time, but it's just something I've become accustomed to. Now, how did you discover that you had this gift? Well, my first healing experience was when I was 14. Now, I had a lot of other things happening before this, you know, pencils flying in my hands, strange telekinetic things. Uh, But my first healing experience is when I was 14. And what this was was uh, my mom has had MS, multiple sclerosis, for as long as I can remember. And with MS, there's a very common symptom called trigeminal neuralgia. And what this is is it's a stabbing pain inside of the head. And anyway, this was a regular routine for us. My mom would go upstairs, just start screaming with pain, and we would all go downstairs and try best to ignore her because there was really nothing we could do for her. Yeah. And anyway, she's upstairs screaming with pain, and one day, for a reason I'm not sure why, I walked up to her room, and I put my hand over her head. And then I went into this strange trance, and I couldn't see anything else in the room around me except for these images of my mom in front of me. It was like I was navigating throughout her body. And inside her head, I saw this, this green light, and it was very clear to me that this was what the problem was. So what I did was I grabbed it, and I pulled it out of her. And as a result of me doing this, her pain vanished. She never got another pain. But I took on her pain, and uh, that was my first healing. And one thing I should mention is obviously my healing techniques have evolved since then. I'm not taking on the pain of everyone I'm working with now. Uh, The only reason I took on the pain of my mom was because I saw this problem, and I grabbed what I've seen in front of me, and I pulled it into me. And, you know, even to this day, she still uh, hasn't gotten another pain, and... Uh, I basically just slept it off, and then the, the pain did go away. You hear about this from time to time, that beginners in the field of spiritual healing or energy healing sometimes do in their, what would you say, empathy or sympathy taking on the symptom? Yeah, you know, and one one thing I think should be uh, clarified, though, I think this is really strongly misinterpreted by a lot of healers out there, is that, like, let's say, for example, someone has a problem over a certain area in their body. Like, they got a problem in their back. And you're running your hands over that person's aura, over the person's back. You're trying to work with this energy. And a lot of people, they'll be doing this, then all of a sudden they feel pain in their hand or in their back. Now, that does not mean that a lot of people interpret that as the problem being pulled from that person onto them. 
Now, that what I don't look at it that way at all. What that is, you're not taking on the problem. That's simply your body's way of telling you where the problem is. That's your body's way of sending that signal to you that this is where the problem is. Well, you got to listen to the signals that your body is sending you. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things I should mention is that the only reason I took on the pain of my mom was because that was my intention. I, I saw this, and I, my intention was to take it into me. Now, this is healing with intention, so you're not going to have a negative result from a positive intention. That's just not what happens. Oh, I see. So if you just set your mind to a... Well, what would be a, a superior concept to pulling the pain from her into you? Would you think of passing it through you or driving it from her, or what's your intention? I, that just, I just visualize throwing it away. Throwing it away. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of healers do also. Uh, and it, it's uh, a, lot, a lot of people also find, a lot of healers, when they're throwing this energy away, uh, a, lot of, a lot of them will find that they, they feel like there's something on their hands. They feel like they got to just rapidly shake their hands, shake things off. And uh, that that's fine. If you, if you got to do that, then, then do that. Yeah, I was taught to do that years ago, that when you're done with any kind of energy work, you always shake your hands or wash them in cold water or... But do you think the intention is more important than those kinds of actions? Definitely. I think that the intention is the, the overlying, uh, the underlying theme, I guess you could say. It's the, most, it's, the most, uh, um, it's, it's the main part of all this healing. It's healing with intention. And I think that with regards to the, these rituals, like, you know, like you've got to put your hand in cold water, you have to do these things before you do the healing, I think that it's very important for all healers out there that you do what works well for you. You know, like you can learn, you know, you get other ideas, get opinions from other people. If something resonates strongly with you, then take that and incorporate it into your techniques. If something doesn't resonate strongly with you, then don't use that. You have to let your healing abilities evolve from your own experiences because every single person has their own unique connection to these energies. And I I do talk a lot about this at at my conferences. The focus of my conference is showing people how to heal themselves. And there's a lot of healers there. majority of the people at my talks are healers, and I talk a lot about how healers can enhance their own healing abilities. Well, indeed, that's one of the things that I uh, uh, like about you and that I found attractive was that uh, you've resisted the the glamour of all of this and quite to the contrary have said, hey, this is something everybody can learn to do to some degree. Are there some people who are particularly gifted? Do we all have the same potential? I guess one analogy I always use is that, you know, we can all play golf, but we all can't be Tiger Woods. Yeah. Uh, you know, every single person has a connection to these energies, and every single person can influence their own health very powerfully with their intentions. There's no doubt about that. Your intentions have a very strong connection to your own body, stronger than anyone else's. So, I mean, really, the, the your own healing is in your hands. You have the ability to influence your health more strongly than anyone else. Uh, but having said that, uh, there are going to be some people that are naturally more intuitive than other people, that are naturally uh, more connected to these energies than others. And every single, like I said, every single person has their own unique connection to these energies. Many, many years ago, it has to be now, uh, gosh, I'm thinking the early 70s, I interviewed, I was in Detroit in those days, and I interviewed a fellow from England named Matthew Manning. And he reminds me of you. He was... Uh, well, at the time, a young man, and had some of these same psychokinetic, uh, telekinetic uh, problems. You know, suddenly all the silverware would jump out of the drawer and bend this way and that. And pl- I haven't had that happen uh, 
since I started my healing abilities. Do you think uh, it's a calling? It's a way of getting your attention? That's exactly what I think it was, is that, um, you know, I was always seeing auras, and I was just starting to realize that, you know, I was seeing something that I, don't, I thought other people weren't. Uh, and then these these things were happening, these telekinetic things, you know, weights in the gym moving and things like that. Um, I think that was just something screaming to get my attention sort of thing. Uh, exa- exactly how this happened, I really don't know. Every single time that something moved, I was never intending for that object to move. I was daydreaming or not thinking of anything, and then the object just started moving. So have you been tempted to study with other healers? Do you read their books? Do you conference with them? Well, I, I've spoken at many different conferences with many different healers. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it comes down to the same thing. I feel very strongly that all healers have to let their abilities evolve with their own experiences. And, yes, there's been many, been many healers that um, I've, t- I've talked with and I, I've heard them talk and there's some concepts that they said that really resonated with me and that really uh, made sense to me. And if, that, if that's the case, then I try my best to incorporate these things uh, into my own healing techniques. Uh, but then there's a lot of things that, that a lot of healers will say that, that don't necessarily resonate so strongly with me. And so, you know, you use what works for you. Yeah, trust your own frames of reference. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I love about your work is that, uh, well, you've already said you're attempting to to some extent anyway, maintain your anonymity, so that's why I haven't been specific about where you live or what your last name is. You generally refer to yourself as Adam Dream Healer, is that right? Yeah. You like dream, and your website is dreamhealer.com. Yeah, dreamhealer.com. So this comes from the fact that you're teaching people to, at least as beginners, to promote self-healing by taking imagery into their dream states. Why don't you describe how that works? Well, the whole focus of my work is self-empowerment. You know, a lot of people, they hear the word healer, and they think it's someone that, uh, you know, they feel like what that means is that they pass on the responsibility of their own health to someone else. It's like they remove themselves from that responsibility, and every single person magically gets better. But that's really not what I've ever been saying at all. That's, that's never been the focus of my work. The focus of my work is showing people how they can influence their own health. And part of how they can do that is getting your intentions more in align with healing. It has been scientifically proven, there is no doubt at all, that your intentions are influencing your health. There's no doubt about this. And so why not use this to your advantage? And this is what I talk a lot about at my conferences. I show people how to use various imagery uh, to keep their intention focused on improving their health. Uh, you know, like, I mean, there's a lot of different things. I mean, all, not only using these intentions, using imagery that you can use in your dreams, that you can use before you go to sleep. Uh, there's also, I talk a lot about doing your own research, understanding your illness. And it's amazing how many people have these serious illnesses and they don't even know how to spell their illness. And, I, you know, I always say, if you can't spell your illness, you haven't done enough research on the illness. <laughs> and so I think it's very important that by doing these small changes, doing research, understanding what is happening in your own body, that you are sending signals to your body that you are changing. You're sending these small subconscious signals to your body that things are changing. And that is very important, and that really does help the healing. And I think that healing with intention is not the only thing you should be doing. I've, I've never said stop taking your medication and just do healing with intention. Healing with intention, the great thing about it is that it can be used in conjunction with anything, whether you're on chemo, radiation, any drug, any therapy, it does not matter. You can use your intentions to enhance the healing effect of your own body or of whatever particular treatment you're on. There's no limits 
to what you can do with your own intentions. You have a wonderful DVD I'd like to talk about for a minute that uh, I've watched several times. In fact, uh, I don't know if it's my player or uh, <laughs> your intention. You can set it up so that these visualization exercises just cycle around and around. And one night I just left it on, Adam, and I just let it run for a couple of hours. And what struck me, and I've got years and years of looking at various forms of visualization and guided imagery and such, and what struck me about uh, this DVD of yours, first of all, I think it's very high-quality production values. The animation is excellent. But they're very explosive uh, images, very powerful images. There's nothing really subtle about it. Yeah, and I think that in, in most cases, when you have an illness, that problem is, is in there real good. And by doing these explosive, forceful visualizations, you are, you are really screaming to yourself to pay attention to this particular area. And that's one thing that these, that these visualizations do. This is like, from a scientific perspective, this is how it works, is that your body is essentially a community of cells. And all these cells in your body are working together for the benefit of the organism as a whole. Now, sometimes your cells will get distracted and they're not necessarily focused on the illness or on the problem that you want them to focus on. And by doing these intentions, by focusing on a particular area, like if I do lightning, if I'm visualizing lightning bolts in my, in my shoulder, for example, that does not mean that there are actual lightning bolts going in my shoulder. But what these various visualizations are doing, they are directing your body's attention, your body's awareness to these particular areas. And it, it really gets every cell to focus on these areas that you want to focus on. And part of the reason I have all these different visualizations is that, you know, if you're trying to visualize, one thing I think is important, by the way, with visualization is that you, you do them for as long as you can stay focused. I think, you know, some people talk about how if you're going to do these healing techniques, you've got to do it for hours and hours, but I, I don't say that at all. I think that you've got to do these visualizations for as long as you can maintain that solid focus. If you're not focused on the particular issue, then you're really wasting your time. So you, you do it for as long as you can stay focused. If that's five, ten minutes, then great. Don't Would, could we say interested? Yeah, as long as you can stay interested, focused. And part of, the, part of the way that you can maintain that interest is by doing these different visualizations, you know, like flames, and then do that until you uh, feel that you've done that one enough, then do the lightning bolts, you know, and you just keep switching around between all these different ones. Yeah, the, the flames, I, the flames I loved, and it caught me off guard. I've never... Again, I've read dozens of books about this and intuited lots of exercises in my own life. And uh, I think they're clever. And I think that speaks to the fact that you're plugged into something quite extraordinary here. Uh, have you heard the phrase indigo children? I have heard the phrase indigo children. Uh, do, you, do you think that there is a new generation of gifted young people coming in uh, to this planet at this time, and do you think you're part of that generation? Um, well, definitely I think that uh, my generation, uh, there's going to be a lot more um, people that are going to be open-minded to these kind of things. I think that, that's the way that things have been heading for quite some time now. I mean, 30 years ago, you, you would never hear anyone talking about these kind of things. Uh, but it, it, it really is changing. And I think part of the reason, this is, this is my own personal theory at least, um, part of the reason that I, I feel that uh, my generation is likely going to have a lot more of these types of things happening, is that with our modern technology and, and transportation the way it is, uh, the, the gene pool has uh, widened a lot. You know, like before, you know, 100 years ago, uh, 
you, you wouldn't have people from these various cultures uh, marrying so much. It wouldn't it wouldn't have been uh, all these people that are, are are mixed. I guess you could say of different uh, of different backgrounds. Right. And so I think that this expanding of the gene pool is is really changing things. And it's, it's really, um, you know, genes are, are smart. They're not randomly changing. And so for some reason, all these, this, this uh, expansion of the gene pool uh, has opened up uh, these abilities in some people. But that's my own personal theory, at least. Um, and one other thing I should mention about indigo children is that personally, uh, personally, I don't like to call it uh, indigo children. I don't like to label it at all because what I find is that you'll have a lot of parents that will – uh, you know, their, their children are experiencing these strange things, and then the parents uh, say, like, oh, my, my kid's an indigo child, and then a lot of times the kids will feel pressure uh, to experience things that, not, that they're not necessarily experiencing. And it, it's kind of, I think it puts a lot of uh, pressure on some of these kids. Uh, I think the important thing for parents is to maintain an open mind. Like, don't be pushing them to try to experience these things. They, things happen at the right time for, for a reason. And you have to maintain an open mind, be open-minded, be encouraging of the abilities, but at the same time, not be pushing it. And it's a, it's a real fine line to walk sometimes. But one thing is when I look at my own, my own life and my own abilities, had I discovered my abilities two weeks earlier or two weeks later or had I been pushed uh, uh, to experience more things, uh, I would not be in the same place that I am now. You know, things just have a way of working out. And so I think it's very important for all parents out there uh, to just let let things happen and uh, not be pushing for uh, your kid to have abilities. Things will happen at the right time for a reason. Well, I've talked to your mother at length. I've talked to your dad briefly this morning. I think they really do deserve some credit for keeping you centered. How could you not be englamored? Uh, I know the temptation to want to dress up in robes and call yourself a master and have people worship at your lotus feet. And here you are, 20 years old, and you're saying no to that. Yeah, you know, I, I've never uh, never been like that, and I don't ever plan to be. I think that uh, not only my, my parents have kept me well-grounded, but, you know, I have a, a younger sister, too, and I think she's helped keep me uh, grounded as well. Um, you know, I, I do maintain a normal social life for a 20-year-old, and I think that that's quite important for me. Uh, it, it's just, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, it's sort of like I'm living two separate lives. I have this uh, one life where I'm uh, trying, doing, spend all my time helping people. I'm, I'm working on evolving my abilities. I'm working on developing my abilities. Uh, and then there's the other half of me, which is uh, just the normal 20-year-old that's, uh, you know, just living a normal 20-year-old life. So it, it's just, uh, it's, it's hard to balance it around at times. But I think one thing that it was, I was very fortunate to have is, is uh, parents that were very supportive of what was happening. You know, we, we weren't a new agey family, or we weren't we weren't, uh, we weren't religious. We weren't, weren't into any of these things at all. Really. And uh, then, when these strange things started happening, uh, we just none of us could deny it anymore. Sometimes, and, from the fundamentalist uh, Christian community, or any could be any community that's really fundamentalist and literal in their interpretation, they will insist. Well, we're in the West, so let's use Christianity as an example that. If you do this in the name of the, of, of the Christ, that you're covered. It's cool. Yeah. But if you don't invoke the name of the Christ, then yeah. you must be satanic. Yeah, don't see the devil. Or what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Would you speak to that? Well, I think that one thing that's very important is that healing with intentions is inclusive of all belief systems. And if you really believe in Jesus or Allah, whatever, whatever it is, if you, if you, whatever it is that you believe in, 
if you strongly believe in that, that is a very powerful tool. And you can use that to your advantage. You can use that to help heal yourself. Belief systems are very powerful. Now, personally, uh, I don't consider myself a religious person. I consider myself a very spiritual person, uh, spiritual in the sense that I'm always pondering all these questions that we all ask ourselves. You know, what is my role in the universe? What is my purpose? Uh, you know, these kind of deeper questions, trying to understand these things, uh, that's what being spiritual is all about. And whether you call it God, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. Those are just different names for the same thing. Personally, I like to call it the collective consciousness. I'm a very scientifically-minded person, and I believe that everything can be explained by science. And if you can't explain it right now, it's just a matter of time before science is capable of explaining it. So I guess the, the best answer to that is that whatever your belief system is, you can use that to your advantage. And there's, there's nothing saying that, uh, you, you know, I've had people from all, all religions, uh, I've had all, all these different religions, uh, people that were uh, very devoted uh, to that belief system, uh, they've come up and they've been very supportive of what I'm doing. Because it's not, uh, it's not religious, it's healing with intention. And there is hard science behind this. So I think it's very important to recognize that you can use your beliefs to your advantage, whatever it is. Adam Dream Healer is our guest on Intervision on KPFK today. Dreamhealer.com is his website. His uh, last name is a matter of anonymity. He just goes by Adam or Adam Dream Healer. And uh, Adam's going to be in Los Angeles a week from Sunday. It's December 10th, I believe, for an all-day what do you call it? Workshop, seminar, uh, workshop, or conference? It's, uh -huh. uh, I guess you call it. Yeah, either either one works. So, you're interested more in attracting other working healers than people who. This is not like a uh, revival meeting where they're all going to come in wheelchairs and then you heal them all. You're, you're, that, that's never been the focus of my work. Um, you know, a lot of uh, mainstream media will portray it that way. Like, you know, there's a workshop of. 600 people, there's a couple people in wheelchairs, and they, they just zoom into all those people in wheelchairs and try to make it seem like the workshop's full of people in wheelchairs. Uh, but that's, that's really not the case at all. majority of the people at my talks uh, are not sick at all. They're people that are healers. They're health practitioners. They're people that are interested in learning more about these energies. And, yes, there are some people that, that are quite ill that, that do come to the workshop. And a lot of these people do benefit. I mean, if you just look at my website, I've, I've literally hundreds and hundreds of testimonials of people that have been have benefited greatly just from these workshops. When you have more than 500 people all being positive, all knowing that we can heal ourselves and others, then collectively that intention from everyone in the room makes that the perfect environment for healing. And it, it's just a, a great place um, to, to do these healings, and they, they are very effective. Adam, when I was in high school, I remember looking through a microscope at one point at little one-celled animals, amoeba, and I remember paramecium. We spent, <laughs> we spent a lot of time watching these guys. And I remember learning at the time that here is an animal with no brain, obviously. It is... Yeah, I, I had the same experience, too, in university. I was studying those, yeah. Yeah, so here's a one-celled critter with consciousness, with its own minimal degree, obviously, but still a level of awareness or consciousness. Well, can we then can we then look at every cell in our body, every corpuscle, every tissue group of cells as having its own consciousness? Oh, definitely. Every single cell in your body has its own consciousness, has its own memory, has its own emotions. Uh, but they're all working and functioning together uh, for the benefit of the organism as a whole. 
And going back to looking at uh, single-celled organisms under a microscope, I had a similar experience when uh, first year of university, uh, I was looking at these uh, one-celled organisms. And the way it was explained to us is that they're pretty much just a, a biochemical machine, that there's, there's not really much of a consciousness, they just they react to the conditions around them. And when I was watching them under the microscope, it became very clear to me that, that, that there's just no way that's true. They, they clearly have their own unique consciousness. You have these cells, and when you think about it, they react the exact same way as we would if we were in a similar situation. If there's food, they, they're they not just randomly moving around and bumping into food. They, they sense where the food is, and then they go towards the food. If there's toxins induced into the environment, their focus then changes from eating to protecting themselves. And, they, and that's the exact same thing that we would do in a similar situation. And so it, it really occurred to me that there's a lot of these things. That every single function they're doing is the exact same thing that we're doing. And so I, I found it was really fascinating to, to look at these one-celled organisms and watch them do these things. So in that sense, your body is a community, a universe. And when you talk about forming an intention, you're sort of like the captain exactly. or the commander of this legion of millions of cells and corpuscles and we can direct our intention to them because it's part of a great conspiracy then to stay well and grow and heal. That's exactly it. We are essentially a community of cells. And you can look at your mind as your intentions as being the general, the boss of all these cells. And with your intentions, you are directing these cells to do what you want them to do. And this is, uh, like I said, this has been scientifically proven. There's no doubt that your intentions are doing this, are directing your yourselves to where you want them to go. Your intentions are doing this. And so, you know, that, that's one very interesting way to look at it, is that we are a community of cells, and you are the boss. You are directing these cells to do what you want them to do. I want to follow up on this idea, because this is such a wonderful opportunity to be able to sit down with you, and uh, even though I don't have you in the studio, we got a nice connection, and uh, I mean, beyond the telephone here. And I want, to, I want to go further on this idea that every cell is imbued with its own level of consciousness. And then one would follow uh, logically that, that every organ would have a sense of itself as an organ. And not think the way we think, obviously, but still have a sense of self, just like animals and plants have a sense of themselves. Well, one, one thing with regards to organs, uh, having their own memories, having their own consciousness, this is one thing that I find very interesting. And this is actually something that is very well known amongst surgeons. This is something that has been known amongst surgeons uh, since transplants have been happening. Uh, they, they don't understand it at all, but it's very clear that it is happening. Now, if you have someone that gets an organ from someone else, whether it's heart, what, you know, liver, whatever, it doesn't matter, you have this organ from another person, and it is very common for these people that get these organs to all of a sudden start having memories from that person that they got the organ from. Yeah, or even it, certain it, food cravings. Yeah, it, it, it's actually, people, it, people think it sounds like a wacky thing, but it's actually common knowledge amongst surgeons that this does happen. And that we have no idea how it happens, but it does. And there's, a, there's countless stories of, you know, for example, someone that's the least musical person around, you know, someone like me, for example. And then they get a, a transplant from someone that was a world-class piano player. And they get this transplant... And then when all of a sudden 
when they recover from the operation, they go home and they start playing the piano like yeah. they've been playing it for years. <laughs> and th- there are so many stories of things like this. Yeah. So it clearly, every single cell and every organ, consequently, is storing these emotions, these intentions. What, what's coming up in my mind as I listen to you is sort of a nesting dolls, like a Russian doll model of everything existing within, you know, like within myself, my physical body and my consciousness as Michael Benner is, you know, a smaller doll, which is the set of all of these organs working together, or maybe all the endocrine glands or whatever. And then within that is the set of all uh, individual cells, perhaps. Or, you can just keep breaking it down. Yeah. Does that work for you? Oh, definitely. And it, it, it gets very difficult. I, I find this very interesting, is then science has a lot of trouble with this, is, you know, where do you cut it off? Where does consciousness all of a sudden stop? And it's really quite arbitrary when we try to do this. We know cells have consciousness, but do the parts within these cells have consciousness? Well, uh, apparently you know? the quantum physicist tells us it doesn't stop till we get to the quantum, to the... Exactly. You know, we get down to these small subatomic particles, and they start reacting to our intentions. It's actually... One thing that science is having a lot of difficulty with is that right now, when we're trying to observe these quantum particles, uh, the way science is set up is that, in theory, it's supposed to be we have an experiment, and there's an observer which is separate from the experiment. The observer is separate and not influencing the experiment at all. But what we're finding is when we're trying to study these subatomic particles, if you study it with the intention that this is what the result's going to be like, and that's the result that you get. The observer you effect. Yeah. yeah, and if you study with the, having the intention of a different result, that's what you get. Yeah. So we, we all of a sudden, we cannot eliminate the observer from these experiments. From so the very observer. clearly, these subatomic particles are being influenced by our consciousness, by our intentions. So there is some connection there still. Fascinating. Let's take a short break, let everybody know who they're listening to, and then we'll be right back with more with Adam. DreamHealer.com. He's coming to town a week from Sunday. You can attend the workshop, and we'll tell you more about it if you stay with us. Michael Benner with Intervision on KPFK. We'll be back in the flash. KPFK on your very own radio, 90.7 FM, all over Southern California, out of Santa Barbara County, 98.7 FM, and streaming for the world at kpfk.org. Also, podcast off my website, theagelesswisdom.com. Or uh, just go to iTunes, uh, the iTunes Music Store, and you can find the podcast there just by typing my name in, Michael Benner. And uh, Adam's site, again, is dreamhealer.com, a great site. Adam, have you seen the uh, films uh, What the Bleep or uh, The Secret? Uh, I have seen What the Bleep. I haven't seen The Secret, but I actually was a speaker at uh, What the Bleep conference uh, in uh, Vancouver here. What do you think of the fact that the, the, there's such enormous interest now in these metaphysical films? Well, I think I find it very uh, exciting that their uh, interest is growing in these areas very rapidly. And I think part of the reason that interest is growing so rapidly is because that's where science is starting to go. Science is starting to realize that there is clearly something here more uh, than our traditional five senses. You know, uh, we used to all think that uh, nothing existed beyond our five senses, but really that that uh, model is rapidly breaking down and I also feel that what makes someone open-minded to these things and you know this is the difference between someone that is open-minded and someone that isn't is it really comes down to whether you have had an experience or not you have some people that 
have had a spiritual experience, have had something very strange to them happen, and naturally they're going to be more open-minded to these ideas than someone else. And someone that uh, hasn't had an experience, you know, it's sometimes difficult for them to be open-minded to these types of things. And an experience can range from having a, a, a vision or, it, you know, I've even had farmers, for example, come and they're very open to these types of things because uh, when they were working on the farm, they could see these animals communicating with each other. And it was very clear to them that there was some kind of connection between all these animal, animals. And yet, yet they're, not, they're not saying anything. They're not, they're not really doing anything to really show uh, a form of communication. But there's very clearly a communication between all these different types of animals. So, you know, it's just things like that that, that make people more open to, to these types of healings. I want to give the telephone number. I'm sure we have callers who would like to ask questions of you. We're here till 2. If you'd like to talk to Adam about spiritual healing, energy healing, give us a buzz. Brooks is our producer. You'll talk to her. 818-985-5735, 985-KPFK in the 818 uh, area code. There is a phenomena, always has been, in so-called medicine or healing, uh, doctors usually refer to it as spontaneous remission, but many times remissions are not spontaneous at all. Uh, can you talk about that? Your mother's uh, healing, for example, and what's the difference between a remission and a healing? Um, well, what's the difference between a remission and a healing? Uh, if any. Well, I really don't think there is much of a difference. Like, <laughs> it's just different words for the same thing. Um, one thing I always find interesting about uh, the medical community and people that I've worked with was uh, either they say it's a spontaneous remission and they, they can't explain it, or they say all of a sudden the diagnosis changes to something that's just, you know, totally different than all the data was showing. Uh, you know, like, you know, I've had people that have had, you know, positive biopsies on their cancer, uh, and then the, the, the cancer goes into remission, but they say, you know, this type of cancer doesn't do that or whatever, and so uh, it had to be a misdiagnosis. Even though there's a positive biopsy, it was, it's a misdiagnosis. And, you know, there's all sorts of, you know, things like that. So um, what, the, what they refer to as spontaneous remissions is when uh, the cancer inexplicably just starts getting smaller, starts uh, eating away at itself, so to, so to speak. And there's a lot of different explanations as to how this could happen, um, but it's not, uh, you know, basically they just kind of brush it off as just being a, a rare phenomenon. And it's actually not that rare. Um, it, it does happen. And so I think it's very important for people to realize that, you know, you have people, for example, that the doctor says you have, you have six months to live, and the person looks at their watch, and six months is up, and then they die. And so it's, it's very important for people to, to recognize that uh, that's just according to the data that, that, that these doctors have. The doctors don't know everything. No one knows everything. Uh, some people do go into these spontaneous remissions. There is always hope, and there's no such thing as false hope. This idea of false hope is quite ridiculous. The second that you lose hope uh, is the second that that reality falls apart and that reality breaks down. So by maintaining hope, by maintaining this focus of having a, a good health, a healthy, a healthy body, you are that reality stays open, and the, and the possibility of that happening is much higher than if you have resigned to the fact that you, you think that you're not going to get better. It's uh, Bernie Siegel, I think, a medical doctor in his book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, who tells a true story, a case study of someone that uh, had been told by a medical doctor that they only had six months to live. Uh, they went home, began to put their affairs in order. A neighbor said, oh, no, they have these clinics in Mexico with the latril and coffee enemas and all of that. And she went down there and uh, 
didn't die, and years went by, and she happened to, as the story goes, run into her medical doctor um, accidentally, and he said, why, Mrs. So-and-so, what are you doing here? You, you should have died years ago. And she said, oh, no, we went to Mexico, and they have the latril and the coffee, and and uh, I'm healed. He said, those places aren't real. That's quackery. And weeks later, she was dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that's a true story? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stories like that, and it really comes down to the person's own intentions. And, and like you just said, you know, like the, the, the person's intentions, if that person knew that they were going to get better, then statistically their chances are far better of getting better. Some, some doctors say, oh, it's just placebo effect. I mean, call it what you want. It really doesn't matter. The fact is people are getting better, and there is no doubt that your intentions are influencing your health. So you have to use this to your advantage. I'm glad and, you brought up placebo effect because – the scientific community sees this as such a nuisance. Mm-hmm, exactly. They always try to subtract it from the equation. Right. And, and they never try to understand the, the placebo effect. And there's a lot of fascinating studies of placebo effect. I mean, one, one case study which I find particularly interesting is that there were two groups of, of women that had uh, breast cancer. And one group was given chemo. And the other group... Uh, wasn't given chemo. They were given a drug just to make them feel a little nauseous so that they would think that they're on chemo. Yeah. And the group that was the, the placebo group, 35% of those, of those women that were in that group, they lost their hair. And so when you think about all the chemical reactions that would have to happen uh, for you to lose hair just by having the expectation of losing hair, very clearly that woman, those people's intentions were infecting, uh, affecting their health very powerfully. They were affecting these chemical reactions within their own body. So, I mean, placebo effect uh, is not, does not mean it's something that uh, doesn't work. Placebo effect is making people better. And the work that I'm doing is not just placebo effect. I mean, statistically, it's far higher than placebo effect. Clearly, there is something happening. But uh, whether you call it placebo effect or whatever, it doesn't matter. The fact is, people are getting better. Well, mind-body connection is a phrase we're hearing more and more. Exactly, mind-body connection, and that's actually something that's uh, very widely accepted by the medical community, uh, yet they have, still have yet to really integrate any of that into their actual practice, but they, they do accept that it is real. Well, they have subtle references, things like a doctor may talk about his or her bedside manner and the faith that they induce in a patient. I mean, if I was a medical doctor, I would think that I would empower all of my therapies, whether they were were drugs or poultices or or rituals. I would just say this is incredibly effective and powerful and just imbue them with an attitude of not just hope but high expectation. And exactly. If you, if you have 35%, like 35% of people, who have, you know, what they call placebo, um, do get better. And, and it's not like they're... It's not like they feel better and uh, they're getting worse. They actually are getting better because illnesses go into remission. So it it doesn't make any sense at all that they don't integrate these types of things uh, into their practices. Well, the only sense it would make would be they're linked to drug companies. It doesn't doesn't make them money, exactly. That's that's why it's not so popular. And the profit in illness and the profit in death. and And we have to talk about it even though the vast majority of people in in that community, um, are honorable people. Nevertheless, we... Uh, it's, not the, it's not the doctors that's a problem, it's the system. Yeah. I think most doctors are very well-intentioned and they're doing everything they can to help these people. Uh, but the way the system's set up is that uh, new ideas are not 
accepted. New idea. If you bring up new ideas, such as uh, using intention to, to help the patient, uh, then your you know your license gets pulled and things like that. So I want to uh, go, go to the phones and give our listeners a chance to talk to you. Uh, but I have one more question before we do that. It occurs to me that as more and more people understand the reality of what we're talking about here, that its application goes beyond the human body to the body politic, to the society, to healing a world that is tearing itself apart out of fear and anxiety and uh, stress and the belief that anything is that, that's different is somehow opposite and therefore a threat. Do you sometimes in quiet moments sit and think about the larger implications here? Oh, definitely. I think that... Uh intentions not only affect us on an individual scale, but I think it affects us uh, on a much more global scale, on a, a society as a whole. And if you have enough people all believing one common thing, then the the chances of that happening are greatly increased. And so if you have all these people all, all fearful, all, all, you know, all, all scared of a war happening, for example, then statistically that does increase the chances of that happening. It's the collective consciousness of everyone uh it, of everyone with that intention, so it's uh, you know it's very it's very important for people to realize that your intentions are affecting things far beyond your conscious awareness. It's not necessarily just within your own health. It, it really it really truly does reach out and affect things far beyond things that you could have predicted, and that also has been proven by many scientific studies. Yeah, I think so. It's not just. It's not just our actions and our reactions, but the intention that we carry as we approach it. That uh, seems we seem to be going to the deeper level here. I appreciate that. Let's take some calls. Let's go to Santa Monica and Anna. You're on KPFK with my guest Adam. Hi, Anna. Hi, hi, Adam. Um, I've lost uh, seven family members to Katrina in the last year. And I also changed a lot in my life, and I'm moving forward. Yet it's just very hard to just let go of all this this grief and sadness of, of losing my family that I was just starting to reconnect to. Okay. Well, I, I think that um, you know one thing that's important is that a lot of illnesses that we consider physical really do have a strong emotional component to it. Mm-hmm. And a lot, a lot of times, these uh, what starts off as an um, emotional issue, uh, whether it's a loss of a family member or you know whatever it is, these emotional issues they do tend to manifest into these physical things. So it's very right. important. It's very important to recognize what it is uh, that is bothering you. In your case, it's quite clear uh, what that is, uh, and try your best to to change how you are reacting to it. You are in a hundred percent control of how you react to. Your environment. You you are in 100% control of your perception of your environment, and part of that yeah. is, is is your emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it, it is very it's very hard when we lose family members. There's no easy way around that, and a lot of times it just takes a lot of time uh, to, to to get over that. It, it, it's very difficult. Any um, tips on healing emotions? And that there are a lot of different ways that you can tackle healing emotional issues. I, I tackle it quite similar to how I would tackle a physical problem. And one thing you can do, just for, for example, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of different techniques I could, I could give, but one that a lot of people do find very effective is I want you to visualize finding a radio frequency. Finding a radio frequency, 
that every single cell in your body can hear. Every single cell, okay. every skin cell, hair cell, blood cell, every single cell can hear. And then you talk to your cells. You're telling them what you want them to do. You tell them to recognize the problem, forget the past, focus on what it is that you want them to do. You just have, okay. a, con- have a conversation with yourself uh, and, and uh, just have a conversation with them like you would uh, a person. And you're the boss. You're in control. Be a broadcaster. Be a broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, have your own radio show. Thanks for calling. Thank you. You know, um, I'm glad we made the link from physical to emotional, Adam, because uh, sometimes in this regard I think of a quote by a metaphysical poet named Rilke, Rainer Marie Rilke, and he says, perhaps everything that frightens us, no, no, perhaps everything that hurts us is a part of us that is afraid and just needs love. And so do you think that there's value in looking at physical pain as symptom and emotional pain as symptom as a part of us that is afraid and needs love? Does um, that make sense to you? Well, you know, it, do, it does make sense to me. And I think that one thing, and it comes back to the same thing, is that if that resonates strongly with you, if, if, if that angle of looking at it resonates strongly with you, then great, then do that. Um, Personally, the way I look at it most is that uh, illness is a variety of factors. It's not just physical. You know, there's emotional components to it. Uh, there's, you know, some people call it spiritual components. There's a lot of different things that are influencing your health. And it's very important that whatever the illness is, is that you tackle the problem from as many different angles as possible. And t- tackling the emotional side of it is one part. Uh, using your intentions is just another thing that you can use to give you that extra edge to get on top of the problem. Let's go to Culver City and Allison. You're on KPFK. My guest is Adam. Hi. I'm really enjoying your show. Thank you both. Thanks. And I want to say um, I'm particularly interested in autism and gastrointestinal sensitivities. And my my questions are two. I have two questions. One is, do you think that our maker, um, Cosmos, whatever you describe it as, um, gives people these, you know, we give it to them by basically what we've done, but um, do you think it's giving them other spiritual sensitivities that are needed right now? And that's my my view, actually. And that, in your opinion, are these indigo children? And then how do you think we could best support people with autism, uh, people with these incredible sensitivities? Um, should we bring them into our world? Or my opinion is is that, they're they're trying to show us a different world. Well, well people that are very sensitive, sensitive to these energies, uh, I do think that a lot of times uh, the, it is misinterpreted. A lot of people will just uh, they don't understand what it is they're talking about, and they're just dismissed as um, you know having something wrong with them. Uh, when I think in a lot of cases that is just you know completely ridiculous. I think that you know in my case, for example, if I was telling doctors a lot of things I was seeing and experiencing, uh, I guarantee they would have uh, tried to put me on. Uh, you know, various drugs and, you know, have me uh, in a mental institution because they wouldn't understand these things that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think there, there, there's that to it, is understanding that all these people do have gifts and it's important to be open-minded and just listen to what it is they're saying. Try your best to understand, but sometimes there's going to be things that that people will say that's just beyond you. And part of the reason it's beyond you is not necessarily because uh, you're not connected or you're not uh, unique enough. It's nothing like that. It's just that every single person, has their own unique interpretation to all these energies. If you have ten people in a room all experience the same thing, they're all going to describe it differently. That's what makes understanding these energies so difficult, is because everyone has a different interpretation to it. 
Now, as far as uh, indigo children, um, I think that the, the best way uh, to help them is to just to be open to them and to, and to listen and uh, and be supportive of what it is that they're experiencing. And one thing with regards to autism is that, depending on how severe the case is, but in most cases, um, you can get uh, children with autism to participate in their own healing. And one thing that is incredibly effective for that is the visualization DVD that I have. And you, you explain to them what it is that, you, that they're doing. You know, you're doing this, it's going to influence your health when you do this. And, and you know, just, ex, just explain what it is that you're trying to get them to do. And when you have these images changing right in front of them, it is incredibly easy for them to visualize and, and visualize these changes happening in their own body. Yeah, and, and I referred to that in the first half of the program, and I'm glad Adam brought it up again. This uh, DVD he's put together is really excellent. Oh, and wow. I've been looking at visualization mostly through books, of course, for decades, and uh, he's he's on to something here. So, uh, Adam, if we just go to dreamhealer.com, we can find out. Yeah, if you go to dreamhealer.com, uh, you can get all the information on conferences. You can get... Uh, the books, the DVDs, uh, all the information that you need is on the website, dreamhealer.com. Okay. Thank, we'll, thank you. Thanks, and uh, we'll talk more about the uh, workshop coming up a week from Sunday here in Los Angeles. So let, let, let's take one more telephone call from a listener. Angela, you're on KPFK with Michael Benner. My guest is Adam. Hi, Angela. Hi there. I just have a quick question. You were talking about the consciousness of individual cells. I wanted your opinion on consciousness of a fetus in the case of abortion and what you think of that and um, I don't need I, I can take my question off the air okay good question okay well uh, I, I think that uh, my view is that at the point of conception is when consciousness uh, begins uh, with uh, uh, with that individual person and I think it's uh, you know as far as abortion uh, personally I feel that abortion is uh, you know it's not a good thing I don't think there's many people that do think it's a good thing uh, although I also, at, at the same time, I mean, it is a, a touchy subject. I, I, on one end, I feel like uh, it's, uh, you know, it is a living organism and it is a developing organism. On the other hand, I also feel that there are some circumstances with, which, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the woman should have the right to, to make that decision. Uh, but, you, you know, it's, it, it is quite a touchy subject for a lot of people. But personally, I do see consciousness as uh, beginning to develop at the point of conception. Okay, I think that uh, you're right. I think we often merge a couple of issues there. The issue of who makes the decision, the woman or the state, is separate from when does life begin and when does consciousness imbue the body and all of that. And we usually, talk show people like to just smash it all into one one issue, and I think it's more complex than that. It, it is a very complex issue. There's no easy answer. So if a week from Sunday, on December 10th, we come to the Los Angeles Marriott, sign up. This is an all-day event. I think registration starts at 7 in the morning. Well, you, you should register on the website, because it's... Uh, it's going to be uh, sold out. About. It, it is uh, almost sold out. There's a very limited amount of seats available, so uh, if you're going to register, you got to do it online. So what are we going to get? I have to teach that day, so unfortunately I'm not going to be able to come. But well, It's an all-day conference, and the focus of it, as I've said before, is self-empowerment, showing people how to work on their own health. Uh, during the workshop, there's also two group treatments uh, from which everyone benefits, regardless of what the problem is. And if you don't have a, a problem, particular problem wrong with you, uh, during the group treatments is a great way to experience these energies. And it's, it, really, um, it really changes a lot of people's perspective on these energies when they actually experience 
and see these energies for the first time. Uh, at my talks, majority of the people actually do see these energies. It's not that hard to see. So it really is quite an interesting experience for anyone who wants to learn more about these energies uh, that we all possess, utilizing this mind-body connection that we all have. One final question, Adam. You reminded me in that 2020 uh, clip of Tom Cruise and Minority Report moving those computer icons around. There's a shot of you physically moving your hands as if you're making connections and such. What is that about? You know, I go into these trances, and I just, I'm just i really not aware of what I'm doing physically. Uh, I've seen many films of me doing it, obviously, and I'm, uh, I'm just I'm moving my hands around in these very strange ways. And uh, it, I think it's just simply uh, my hands are moving because I'm, I'm seeing all these images happening, moving so quickly in front of me uh, that my hands are just sort of moving with these images that I'm trying to change. Uh, so it, I don't understand exactly why I'm moving in that way or, or how I'm moving in that way, uh, but it is something that I do always do. I just go into these same trances when I do these group treatments at the workshop. Well, it's fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I know a lot of our people will go to dreamhealer.com and register for your conference Sunday, December 10th at the L.A. Marriott. And... Uh, Let's do it again, Adam. Love to have you on any time you're in Los Angeles. Oh, right, like any time. Thanks for having me on. Meet you and have you in studio. And uh, again, I know you're up in Western Canada, so stay warm, buddy. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thanks very much. Adam, dreamhealer.com. Check it out. This is an amazing guy, 20 years old. He's got three different books, and you can find them just at your local bookstore. You're going to hear more about this fellow, I promise. Stay tuned. We have a special program coming up in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to host a program on AIDS Awareness Day. So stay with us for that. D'Angelo's our engineer. I want to thank Brooks for producing. Stay tuned. This is KPFK. You've been listening to InterVision on radio powered by the people. KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, and streaming across the world at kpfk.org. Stay tuned for World's Aid Day special hosted by Michael Benner coming up next.